right to the text. And as you saw from the video earlier, we're starting this new series called Avoiding Election Infection. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to find the Gospel of John chapter 17. The Gospel of John chapter 17. And the Gospel of John is the fourth book of the New Testament. I want to invite you to get a physical copy of the Bible if you have one. love for you to um, use that and mark it up and make some notes. And uh, the question we're going to be asking here, I don't know if you've noticed it, but I've noticed it. It just seems like there is definitely uh, an infection, uh, election infection going on here, right? And, um, and, and we're trying to figure out. I don't know if you've seen the craziness on TV. I don't know if you've seen the craziness in your own family of people arguing with one another. Um, you know, the, um, you know, this side and that side, it just seems like the tension is heightened. It seems like people are angry and, uh, man, it is, it is crazy. I, I noticed it even during the last election cycle as I was a new pastor. And, and so we want to talk about how can you avoid the election infection? That's a tongue twister. I learned that, uh, trying to say that several times this week. I thought, Ooh, that's going to be tough on Sunday. How do you avoid this election infection? And we'll be in John 17. But, but I remember, um, and I like to do this. And so now listen, we're going to make everybody feel uncomfortable. Um, so Democrat, Republican, independent, undecided, you will feel uncomfortable, I hope and pray at some point, because I believe the word of God is going to speak to all of our hearts. And so, but, but what, what is going on? And, and some of you are like, pastor, please don't talk about this in church. Please. Some of you are ready to leave right now, right? Some of you are ready to crawl underneath the pew. If you can crawl underneath the pew, uh, some of you are, are like at home clicking it off, you know, and some of you are, who are here are wishing like, oh, I wish I didn't come today. I could just click them off and go watch somebody else. And, uh, you know, so but it just makes you nervous to talk about it. And um, some of you, though, you're the opposite. You love talking about it. Oh, you love you get amped up. You're like, yeah, let's talk about this. You, you like that's you like a little bit of confrontation. Your life is just not exciting enough unless you uh, can kind of poke at something and somebody and get a. Uh, somebody riled up. You know, some of you are like that. And, and then there are people who are in between. Um, I'm not necessarily in either one of those. My my preference is to uh, not necessarily talk about that stuff because I like to keep peace and harmony. Uh, but I do like to learn. I love to ask people questions. And during the last election cycle, I was uh, just kind of um, transitioning here as the pastor. And so I was asking people, uh, you know, hey, what, what, are you, what are you thinking or what are you uh, and I don't even mind asking people who they vote for. Some people say that's taboo, but I don't mind asking people that. And, um, and so I was asking several church members, learning, and, and we have such a beautiful and diverse church. And I thank God that we have a beautiful and diverse church, diverse politically, diverse age-wise, diverse uh, ethnically-wise and culturally background. We have all kinds of folks from, from all different places here, and it's such a beautiful thing, and I thank God for that. And so we have people that have Trump flags and Trump stickers. And, and during the last uh, election cycle, you know, we had people with all kinds of bumper stickers and that sort of stuff in their yards. And they got some people who are voting uh, for Hillary. And, and I just remember asking people some questions. And, um, and so I would talk to um, different people. And, and I asked this one guy and, um, and I learned something very important from him. And, uh, and it was very eye opening for me as a pastor because I, I just came out. We were talking and I said, you know, hey, who, who are you going to vote for? And, and so he was happy to tell me. And and. But before he told me, he just kind of looked at me. He just kind of turned his head and he looked at me like I was dumb. And, uh, and, I, and I was like, am I supposed to know? Am I not supposed to ask? And, 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 he, and these were his exact words. And so I hope it doesn't offend you. But he just said this. He said, Pastor, what is Donald Trump going to do for a black man like me? And I said, well, wow, that's a 
that's a very interesting statement. And now I didn't get offended. I didn't do anything like that. I just said, tell me more. Tell me why you feel that way. Now, this was last election cycle. So I talked to him. I said, well, hey, what about this? What about this issue? Don't you know the Bible says this? We go through some different things. And he would say, well, don't you know the Bible says this? A man who loves Jesus. And that was, and, and I just learned so much. Heard of another pastor who, after the last election cycle, he got a letter from someone in his church. And a lot like us, they kind of plan their sermons out and they preach their sermons. They don't always have sermons coincide with special holidays or events or those sorts of things. And um, and so uh, this this pastor, the election of 2016 came and uh, and went and they had uh, their service just as normal. And, and they they had whatever the message was from the Bible. And they didn't say anything about the election. And um, and he got a, a note from a lady afterwards. And um, and this lady said these words. She said, you know, I came to church today. This is after the previous election. I came to church today looking for reassurance. And he was like, well, that's interesting. And she said, I'm scared. No one even mentioned the election. And I feel abandoned by my church. Now, listen, some of you who are leaning towards the Democratic side, you might identify. Some of you are like, what? Scared of what? You know, you're you're more Republican leading and you're like, we won. You should be celebrating like the churches that are more Republican leading. I bet they were singing like loud that Sunday. They were just like, oh, glory to they were just singing. And more Democratic leading churches were probably just they didn't even sing that Sunday. You know, I don't know. They just like walked in like it was a funeral. And um, and so but but listen, there there is a wide range of people that make up the body of Christ. There's a wide range of people that make up this body of Christ. There's a wide range of people that make up your family. And so how do we need to operate this? This is the main point that is up there. And we're going to talk about this really all uh, for the next couple of weeks is we need to learn how to disagree politically, but love unconditionally. Disagree politically, because we're going to disagree politically. You already know that. That's not going to change. That's been true for years and it's going to continue to be true for years. But what is what what is not changeable for Christians is to love people as Christ has loved them. And so how do we disagree politically, but still love people unconditionally? And and what's so unfortunate, I think, in our society is that fear divides people. Amen. Do you know that? And and listen, both sides know how to play off of people's fear. Nothing divides people like fear, because when people are afraid, they just kind of run to their corners of safety. And so you might hear these things right on the radio or on TV or in the mail. Like I get a ton of things on the mail and uh, you might say, you know, the Republicans are going to take away your right to vote. They're going to suppress the rights of women. And for twenty five dollars or fifty dollars or one hundred dollars, you can support our cause. Right. And the Democrats are going to take away your guns. and They're going to limit Christian liberty. And for twenty five dollars for fifty five dollars, you know. And so what they do is they stoke fear in people and they they hot button those issues and, uh, you know, if Scott Taylor or Elaine Loria does this, oh, they do. You know, my, my kids, my kids knew who Scott Taylor was. My, my nephew was actually saying something about that. I was like, how do you know who Scott Taylor is? He's like, he doesn't play by the rules. Look, you're not in school. Where did you learn this from? And I'm like, YouTube ad. And I'm like, well, there you go. The whole next generation now. You know, and so it's just kind of crazy. Uh, but, you know, if a socialist Marxist gets in for $25, for $50, you can support our cause. And, and, and they play off of fear. And as Christians, we have to be people who are not afraid because we know no matter who's in the White House, no matter who's the senator, no matter who's the mayor, we have a king and we have an unshakable faith that, listen, God is not stopped by anybody who is in or out of office. And so we, we are not to be pushed around by fear. 
And, and, but that's how different organizations and different groups, worldly systems, try to push Christians around. And so, listen, we must disagree politically, but love unconditionally. And so here's what I want you to do, though, during the series and today. Don't say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, amen. Don't throw anything. Don't say, mm-hmm, pastor, I know somebody who needs to hear this. I know somebody. Mm-hmm. If only, I'm going to send this to my cousin. I, you know, we're always thinking about, because here's what I do. Here's what you do, right? We all think I've got it together. You think you're fine. You think your political views are totally in lockstep with Jesus. And so does everybody else. And we're always thinking of somebody else. So I just want us to be asking God, God, what, what are uh, you saying to me? And so we're going to be uncomfortable. And, and the goal is that we would think like a Christian first. And so for this first question here, we must disagree politically and love unconditionally. Here, here's the question. Here's, here's the question I want to follow up with about. Do you want to do this? Let's just go back one there for me, Brother Mike. Do you want to do this? Do you want to disagree? Because some of us are like, no, I know what I know. And they are wrong. And, and again, I'm not saying don't take a stand. I'm saying it's okay to disagree and still love that person unconditionally. I've heard heartbreaking stories of church members, of people uh, that I know who haven't spoken in, in a year. Because at a dinner table... This subject came up, and now a daughter hasn't talked to a father. A sister hasn't talked to a brother in a year because of this. And if, this, and if these people are Christians, this is not the way it should be. Do you want to do this? The, the second part of that is, are you able to do this? Do you feel you're able to love unconditionally and still disagree politically? And it, like, not just tolerate people, right? Not just roll your eyes at them like, oh, yeah, I guess, Pastor, I'll, I'll love those people on the other side. So here's another way to put this, and, and um, uh, I saw someone else ask this question. I, I loved it. And so this is the question. We'll put this on the screen. Are you willing to evaluate your politics? Listen to me now. Are you willing to evaluate your politics through the filter of our faith, the faith of the body of Christ, the faith of the scriptures through our faith, rather than create a version of faith that supports your politics? Everybody does this. Typically, Christians will create a version of faith that supports their political views. In other words, their politics comes first, and they want to use the Bible to support that. It's been done for thousands of years. People have taken the Bible and twisted it and conformed it and put words in the mouth of Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect sinless Savior, to make it agree with them. And this is what we should not be doing. And so here's, here's are you willing to evaluate your politics through the filter of our faith rather than create a version Rather than create a version of faith. You don't want to create your own faith. That is man-centered religion. And we don't want none of that that supports your politics. Here's another way to, to, to put it. Are you willing to put your political filter behind your faith filter? Or you could say it like this. Are you willing to follow Jesus? Are you willing to follow Jesus when following Jesus would create space between you and your political party? Are you willing to follow Jesus? If following Jesus meant creating space between you and your political party, would you still be willing to follow Jesus? If you're feeling like, I don't know, pastor, then we got some spiritual work to do, right? Because if you're not willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads, wherever he leads, I'll go. Then we got some problems, right? Are you willing to follow Jesus when following Jesus would create space between you and your political party or between you and your candidate or between you and the party's platform? Again, don't say, mm-hmm, amen, I know somebody else. This is a question for you, right? 
Are you willing to put your faith filter, the scripture filter, ahead of your political filter and love people unconditionally? So I love that God gives us um, all kinds of instructions. So in the Gospel of John, that's where I asked you to turn earlier. Hopefully you had it ready. You're ready to look at the text here. We're going to look at a prayer that Jesus prayed. Now, let me just give you some context because I like to call this the Lord's Prayer. Now, some of you may say, you know, um, I know the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom kind of. Some people call it, I like to call that the model prayer. Because remember, the disciples asked Jesus, said, teach us how to pray. And so he said, when you pray, you know, pray this. That's not technically the Lord's Prayer. This, in the Gospel of John 17, is the Lord's Prayer. This is one of the prayers of Jesus, a long prayer. I mean, just filled with richness and theology and depth. And we're going to see what's on the heart of Jesus. And so it's in John 17. You can relax. We're not going to read all of John 17. Okay. You can breathe through your mask a little, you know, softer and, and let your blood pressure come down. We're going to check out a couple verses through it and then make some application and then uh, live for Christ. I want us to look at the first verse there, John 17, 1. This will give us some context here. Here's what it says. After this, Jesus, or after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed. He prayed. And and what is he going to pray here? Notice what he says. He says, Father, the hour has come. The hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may be glorified. We're just going to hang out on this verse for a second here. But notice first word there, the hour. What is he talking about? This is at the end of Jesus's life. He has just had the Passover meal with the disciples. He has just washed their feet. And he said, listen, I'm going to serve you. And you are to go out and serve others. And he, and he gave them the Lord's Supper and instituted the Lord's Supper. And, and then he says, the hour has come. What does he mean by that? The hour has come. Jesus is at the end of his life. He is about to be uh, falsely accused, ex- you know, tried oh, overnight, you know, and executed on the cross. This is the last prayer of Jesus. These are some important words, right? This is Jesus's prayer request, right? You guys know what a prayer request is, right? You're in Sunday school class and everybody's sitting around. It's like, who has a prayer request? And somebody raises their hand. I got a prayer request. And they share their prayer request. You're in a home group, a community group and say, hey, let's take some prayer requests. And somebody says, yo, can you pray for such and such, right? You know what a prayer request is. Imagine Jesus sitting in your group, sitting in your class. And Jesus raises his hand and says, I have a prayer request. I bet all of us would be like, oh, We better pay attention, right? Jesus just asked for a prayer request. This is what we're about to find here. The hour has come. And then he says what? Glorify. Glorify your son. The most important thing is the glory of God. Above all else, the glory of God. And what glorified God most? The cross of Jesus Christ. That's what brought God the most glory. Sending his son to pay for the sins of all human beings. Because the Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so, yes, what, what would horrify us is what glorifies God, him going to the cross. So he's going to lead through this prayer. If you'll look down with me at verse 11, find verse 11 there. It says this, I will remain in the world no longer. I will remain in the world no longer. But they are still in the world. He's talking about the disciples. They are still in the world. And I am coming to you. Then he goes on to say this, Holy Father, Holy Father. Protect them. Protect them by the power of your name. Let's just focus on that word, protect them. Protect them. He's praying for the disciples and he's asking for God to protect them. Protect them from what? From harm? Protect them from uh, disease or cancer? 
protect them from evil, wicked emperors that would hate and, and, and burn them at the stake or feed them to the lions? Is that what he's praying for them to be protected for? Protect them on a car ride? He's asking the Father to protect the disciples from what? Well, let's find out. So he's to protect them by your name, your name, the name you gave me. There's power in the name of Jesus, amen? Protect them by your name, and then here's the clause here, so that. What's the reason for the protection? So that, you might want to mark that in your verse, so that. Here's the reason for the protection, so that they may be what? One! One, so they may be one, as we are one. He's. This is his last prayer, Jesus' prayer request before he's crucified on the cross, and his prayer request is that the body of Christ would be one, not divided on earthly issues, but one in mission and purpose and in the focus of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and not be splintered and not be uh, torn apart because it, you know this, right? I mean, and in fact, uh, the, the phrase that we use in America, you know, united we stand, divided we fall. I mean, these ideas come from the scripture because you know that a, a divided body can't accomplish anything, right? If your right leg says, I want to go right, and your left leg says, I want to go left, unless you can do the splits, you're going to have a hard time going someplace. You're just going to be waddling back and forth. And I don't know, that'd be kind of awkward. And, and so listen, he says, I pray, protect them from a lack of unity. Protect them from disunity. Protect them from being splintered. This is what his prayer request is, that they may be one. I don't know about you, but I love Jesus because I'm a little slow sometimes. And Jesus repeats things, right? Because I don't always get it on the first go around. You know how it is, right? You got to see the math problem several times. Uh, that's the way I am. I got to see it several times. And so um, let's look on down to verse 20. And in verse 20, he's going to pray not just for those disciples. He's going to pray for us. 20th century believers in 2020. He's going to pray for them. In verse 20, he says this, John 17 Verse 20, he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us, right? That's us. That's all of us here today. My prayer is not for them. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them, that all of them, that all of them, how many, how many? All of them may be what? One. That all of them may be one, just as you are in me. All right, but let's just focus on that, all of them. Who is the all of them? That's Jew uh, for their time. That's Gentile. They may be one. They come from two different culturally backgrounds, totally different. You think about the disciples, that was a motley crew of people. You had tax collectors and zealots. I mean, way different political philosophies. I mean, mean, you had all kinds of people, Jew, Gentile, slave and free, rich and poor, the educated, the uneducated, military leaders and soldiers, people who are oppressed by the military were all part of the followers of Jesus in that early century. Tax collectors and those who were being robbed by the tax collectors. But they were all part of that same group. And God brought the supernatural unity to them because they were focused on the cross. In the 21st century, who would that all include? That Jesus is praying that would be one? That would include Democrats. That would include Republicans. That would include independents and libertarians. That would include conservative, liberal, librarians, privileged, underprivileged, White, black, brown, Hispanic, Puerto Rican, Asian, 
Filipino. I mean, we could go down the list. Jesus saying, my church, my church is going to be so international. My church is going to be filled with so many languages. My church is going to be so unique that, that they're going to be focused on this thing. And my church is bigger than you can imagine. And, and listen, the unity of my church is so important. And so he's saying this is not like an add-on, right? Because it sounds kind of impossible. It's not like, oh, wouldn't it be nice? It's not like Jesus is like, hey, you know, I just got this little prayer request. It would be nice if the church would be one in mission and purpose in, in the gospel. That's, it's not like an add-on. This is essential. What he's saying is this is essential. This is my prayer. I'm, I'm asking for you to protect them from this issue that the church would be splintered and divided about earthly things and lose the focus of the mission, lose the focus of the kingdom of God. And so listen, I'm not telling anybody not to vote. I think you should vote. I'm not telling you to change your party. I think, you know, evaluate your party, just like I said, through the lens of faith. Put faith first, the scriptures first, and your your politics second. Uh, I'm not saying don't be involved. I, I think we need more Christians involved in the political sphere. Please, God, raise up some Christians that would bring biblical values to our nation and to those places of positions. But what I'm saying is in the midst of it all, know that there's a battle we're fighting, but the battle is not against flesh and blood. The battle is about not who's in the White House or in the mayor. I don't know what the mayor lives in. Just telling you. Okay, the mayor, you know, seed, whatever. Okay, we said, I pray that they would be one. And this is intentional. And so it doesn't come natural to us, right? Because again, when people stoke our fear, we go to our corners and, um, and, it's, and this is a big deal. But, but notice what he uh, continues to say here. So he, we're still, uh, we're in verse 21, that all of them may be one, back in the text, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Watch this. Here's another, so that, so that, so that what? The world, the world, those who don't believe, those who are outside of the church, those who don't know Christ yet, so that the world may what? Believe or know that you have sent me. And so, listen, our prayer, God's prayer for unity for us is not just about us so that we can just sing like kumbaya and we can like uh, socially distant hold hands and, and, and just kumbaya. Aren't we just sweet? This church has sweet fellowship. See, it's not just about us. It's about what God wants to do through us, our unity in the midst of our political diversity, in the midst of our, our ethnic diversity and our background diversity, our unity in the midst of our diversity becomes an example. It becomes something that draws people to the heart of Christ. Because they say, man, they got Democrats, Republicans, they got old, yeah, they got all those people there, and they get along. Tell me what y'all are smoking in there. You get to see, we ain't, we ain't smoking nothing. We just love Jesus. And he has so filled our hearts with him, man, all that stuff just shrinks down to the bottom because we are focused on Christ and we are amazed that he would love us. And we just want to tell everybody else about that. And yes, we're going to take a stand and we're going to move forward in righteousness and justice. We're going to be involved in different ways to make our cities and our nation better. But our main focus is on the kingdom of God so that those who don't know yet know Christ might come to know him. Amen. So that the world may believe that you sent me. That's the reason. Our unity is an apologetic. It's an evangelism tool. We talk about evangelism tools and learning how to share the gospel. It's our unity and our love. It's disagreeing politically and still loving unconditionally. It becomes an example to the world. And if you continue with me, right, verse 22, he goes on. So that the world may know that you have sent me, verse 22, 
I have given them the glory. Isn't that interesting? I have given them the glory, the glory that you gave me. The Bible says, Jesus says, I gave Christians glory. We're supposed to be shining, right? We're supposed to be shining and reflecting the love of Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 5, you are a city set upon a hill. You are the light of the world. He didn't say you're a Republican light or you're a Democrat light or you're an independent light. No, he said, no, the body of Christ, you're a Christian light. So we're to disagree politically, but love unconditionally. He says, I've given them the glory you gave me where they're supposed to shine. Watch this. Notice what he prays again. Don't you like how Jesus, he does it for me too? That they may be what? One as we are one. So again, he prays it again. And then he goes on and and notice what he says here. Watch this. Again, he's going to repeat it. Verse 23, I and them, you and me, so that, so that they may be brought to complete, to complete Unity. Again, this this doesn't mean uniformity. It doesn't mean complete unity in in all political things. Jesus knows better than that. But in in complete unity of mission and purpose and the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's no moving away from that issue. There are other things that we can discuss, but man, this is central. The one message, and we've been reading through the book of Acts as a church, right? The one message the church had is the resurrection of Christ on behalf of sinners, that the perfect, sinless, spotless, Lamb of God was was slain for the sins of the world. Listen, that is offensive to people, and that's okay. But this is the focus that we are. And then he closes, right? May they be brought into complete unity. And then he says this, that the world, that the world, that the world, that who? The world will know that you sent me. And, and that you have loved them even as you have loved me. Again, he repeats it. How's the world going to know that you sent me? Because we're going to be one and we're going to love one another and we're going to love them. And then that's how the world will know that you love them. Not because we got a big Bible, not because we got bumper stickers saying Jesus, not because we use a track and, and we use all of those things. But the greater witness for Christ is our unity and our unconditional love for one another. Amen. I heard uh, Pastor Vance Pittman say this. He says, if you are more concerned about how your neighbor votes, then where they will spend eternity, your heart is not in the right place. It's not devoted to Christ and his kingdom. If you're more concerned with how your neighbor votes, then where they will spend eternity, your heart is not devoted to Christ. May we not be that kind of people. Everything rides on our unity and our unconditional love for others. This is mission critical, mission essential. See, there's this phrase, and we watched that video at the beginning. Right. And then and I heard this. I heard this on a YouTube ad um, for, for one of the political candidates. The stakes have never been higher. The stakes have never been higher for America. Oh, my gosh. And, and, and vote like your whole world depends on it. Listen, vote. Please vote. Please vote. Don't hear me. Don't put any words in my mouth. I know you can't read my lips. I'm not a crook. All right. Um, <laughs> and, and so but listen, please do that. Don't misunderstand me. Please do that. But listen. The stakes for the kingdom of God do not depend on how you vote. The nations are but a drop in the bucket to God and his kingdom. His kingdom is not slowed down one iota by who is in the White House or, again, in the whatever other position. Again, I think we have a a role in that, and God is using us to do all those things. But his kingdom is not slowed down, so don't fall into the fear. But listen to me now. 
The stakes are higher for the kingdom of God. Because, listen, if we are not unified and focused on the mission and focused on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church will lose. See, a political candidate will win or lose based upon this, how people vote on Tuesday in November, right? A candidate will get in or a candidate won't get in or whatever. There are several candidates and all that sort of stuff. They will win or lose based upon how people vote. The church will win or lose, not based upon how we vote. No connection whatsoever according to the word of God. The church will win or lose if we are obedient to the scriptures and if we are unified in the mission and we stick to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how the church will win or lose. And listen to me, the lost, the lost, as Jesus just prayed for the world, that the world would know the lost without Christ will win or lose based upon how we operate according to the word of God. Amen. And so there is a challenge for us, right? Again, I'm not saying don't vote. I'm just saying how you express yourself, how you get into this and don't get infected, you know, with the election infection. What's more important to you, your candidate, your party winning or the church winning or the lost winning our community winning? or listen to me now, let's get let's get real close or your niece or your nephew winning or your daughter or your son or your grandparent, because it goes both ways. Right. Your parents, your siblings, your cousins. They need to know Christ a lot more than they need to have you prove to them why your political views are correct. Amen. They need to know about Jesus. And so make sure the main thing stays the main thing. Why on earth will we ever get kind of tied up with uh, earthly things and lose sight of the eternal things? We are children of an eternal king. And so how do you avoid election infection? Step one is disagree with people politically. It's okay. please do that. We're going to continue to do that. But always love them, what? Unconditionally. Love them unconditionally. So your step, your action step this week is to begin to pray for unity. Have the same kind of prayer request that Jesus had, right? This week, pray for unity and pray for your heart to love people unconditionally of different backgrounds, of different political persuasions. If you're on social media and you're starting to feel and get amped up and, and angry and all that sort of stuff, you know, man, pray for unconditional love. Pray for unity. I'd be willing to bet this. How many of us honestly have prayed for the unity of the church of Christ? It's typically not something we pray for. Just like several weeks ago, I asked you, how many of us typically pray for boldness? It's kind of like, you know, way down somewhere on the prayer list, maybe if we've ever prayed for boldness. And so we've got two new things to add to your, I'm not saying don't pray for things you don't pray for, but add to your prayer list. God, make the body of Christ one. God, make the body of Christ shine with the glory of Christ, not with the glory of Democrat or Republican or anything like that. This week, pray for that unity and to love unconditionally. If you're here today, you're listening, watching online, and you don't know Christ, you're not a believer, you haven't stepped across that line to faith in Jesus Christ, maybe some of you, the reason why you never became a Christian is because you associated Christians with one particular party or another. And you said, well, if, if that's the way Jesus is, I don't want anything to do with those people. Can I just tell you, Jesus didn't come to take sides. As I heard one preacher say, Jesus came to take over. And, and so Jesus is calling you, and, and, and he is not taking our human sides. He's come to take over with the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We, we want the kingdom to take place on earth because when that happens, boy. And so if you don't know Christ, you're apart from Christ. You've never stepped over that line. We want to invite you into a personal relationship with him. Let me tell you, there's something way worse than election infection. Do you know what that infection is? 
There is a sin infection that has infected every human being. Not everybody's got the election infection. Some of you are like, I'm going about my life fashion. I don't care about the election. I'm just doing my thing. Thank you for the message. I appreciate it. But, but listen, sin has infected every human being, every human heart. And listen, it has separated every human from God. And the only way to reconcile that relationship is to place your faith and trust, to, to call Jesus Christ Lord and Savior, to surrender your lifetime. We're going to sing the song, I Surrender All, in just a moment. To surrender your will to him. And when you turn from your sins, repent from your sins, and embrace the cross and embrace Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you're reunited with God. See, the, the danger, the, the greater danger of the sin infection is that you keep that sin infection for, the, for your life and you will spend eternity separated from God. Some of you think you can make it through this life separated from God. You're like, I'm doing just fine. I don't talk to God a whole lot. I'm doing okay. No, when, when it comes time for eternity, you'll spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. It is real. And that's the greater danger. So we'd invite you to know Christ personally. I'm going to pray in just a few moments. And if that's you, you know you need to step across the line. I'd love for you to uh, pray with me. Uh, it's not magic words, but if this expresses the desire of your heart, we, we'd love to help you navigate. What does that look like to follow Jesus? So let's bow our heads with heads bowed and eyes closed and nobody bothering their neighbor. Even those at home watching, I ask you to have a moment of prayer. Just silently asking God to speak to you. And if you're that person who, who needs Christ, you're that person who needs to step across that line, I want to invite you to repeat this prayer again. No magic words, but if it expresses the desire of your heart, God will hear you. You might want to say something like this. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I have broken your commands. I have broken your commands. God, I'm sorry for my sins. God, I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I believe that you rose again on the third day. I believe that you rose again on the third day. Jesus, help me to follow you. Jesus, help me to follow you all the days of my life. Right now, as best I know how, right now, as best I know how, I give my life completely to you. Give my life completely to you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, we'd love to connect with you. Online connection card, in-person connection card. Love to help you grow in your faith. This is the most important decision. Way more important than who you vote for. Oh, gosh. Eternity-wise, way more important for who you vote for. How you vote will not determine your eternity. Thank you, Jesus. But whether you have voted for Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior will determine that. So we want to celebrate with you. Fill out a connection card. Let us know. Love to talk to you after the service. You're here in person. I want to pray for the rest of us that we'd be unified. Father, thank you for your word that it's true. God, your word is flawless. It has no errors, and it is our only guide for living, Father. We are to put our faith filter far ahead of our political filter, God, to follow Jesus, even if that means creating space between our political party. Father, I pray that this church will be unified. I thank you that we experience here at Plaza a sweet and beautiful unity. God, I am a recipient of that. Every week I get to see how our church is unified, and I thank you. I thank you for the way the believers here at Plaza love one another. And I pray, God, you would use our unity as an apologetic, as a witness, as an example to the world, that the people 
All throughout the city and the nations, God would say, what is going on with those people? God, I believe we do that well. But also know that we need continual work. We need, we need to, to be guarding our hearts from Satan as he seeks to devour and destroy and, and bring disunity. So, Father God, I pray for our hearts. God, that you give us grace to love unconditionally and yet still disagree politically. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. We're going to get ready to sing. And during this time, uh, you know, typically we would have an opportunity for